You're listening to the Lakeshore Records podcast, and I'm your host, Tony Giles. On this episode, I'll be joined by Brian Tyler, composer of the Lakeshore Records release, Criminal. Joining me now on the Lakeshore Records podcast is composer of the recently released Criminal Score, Brian Tyler. How are you doing, Brian? I'm doing great. How are you doing? I'm very well. I'm happy to be speaking to you today. Great. Me too. Good stuff. Now, we will talk about the Criminal Score a little bit later on in the episode, but if we can now, I'd like to go all the way back to your musical background and how you first uh, you know, got into music, where you first started recognizing film music. So... Give me a little bit of information about your kind of uh, musical education. You, you know, uh, there's kind of three things met, I would say, was that uh, just in general, music was something that I probably first heard from my dad, just records, you know, everything from um, Motown to Zeppelin to King Crimson and, and whatnot, and um and uh, it was very much the influence in terms of me jumping on the, the drum kit and the piano and the guitar as, at a young age. But there was something in particular that I really uh, took to, which was also my, my dad was a, cinef- a cinephile. And we would um, we'd go to special screenings of, um, if there's a new 70 millimeter print of 2001 or you know, Blade Runner or yeah. you name it. And, um, and so I, the thing that really I, I discovered at a young age is that I could get the soundtracks for these f- films and then 
relive them in my my head, you know, and, and watch the movie in my mind. Um, and I, w- I was really drawn to two types of scores. One was the big epic uh, orchestral music of um, John Williams and, and, or- and orchestral music of like Bernard Herrmann and, and that that kind of thing, which I yeah. loved, and Jerry yeah. Goldsmith. Yeah. And then then I also really enjoyed um, electronic scores like uh, the John Carpenter scores, um, you know, Escape from New York, Dark Star, and that, that kind of thing. And then um, you know, Tangerine Dream and Vangelis and um, Thief and all that. So I, I kind of had these two things going. I became very interested in orchestral music and also programming keyboards and synthesizers. So um, these things somehow turned me into being a film composer eventually once the seeds were allowed to germinate. <laughs> I mean, I, I know a lot of people in pop music uh, personally, and uh, a lot of the, the, some of my new friends that, that I, um, over the, the recent years that are, are young and, and coming up have mentioned this, uh, that they, that they really love scores and this is part of where, what their background is. I mean, you know, um, it's amazing. Like people like Porter Robinson and Zed and, and and, 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 and Anthony from M83 and, you know, just talking to them, it's like amazing to hear like, wow, this is something that, you know, part of the early record collections were film scores. and, And that's exactly how it was for me. Um, I, um, I, f- I found it to be, it's interesting. I, as a kid, I don't think that I really distinguished the two so much. I thought, you know, you know, looking at it when I would look at something like, wow, okay, here's, here's a Rage Against the Machine record and here's a John Williams record or here's a Depeche Mode album or New Order or whatever it was. I, I saw that it all was just like, wow, this is cool music. I, yeah. I, you know, it was like one was instrumental, one wasn't. But I was used to instrumental music as well because um, so much of um, also the electronic music that I was listening to um, was instrumental. So um, I kind of, you know, and maybe this is a... a part of the times uh, of, of where, I don't know when I grew up, but I, I felt that Star Wars was every bit as cool as a rock show. So, and I did see, I, I got, I was really lucky when I was like five, I saw John Williams in concert and, and, and it was just one of those things that was like, that is the most incredible thing. You know, it just blew my mind to see lots of concerts and music acts and when, certainly when I picked up instruments, it was something that that uh, my parents recognized as, oh, this is odd. He plays instruments rather quickly. None of the instruments around the house were for me. They were for my older sister. <laughs> right. I, I think it was. I was a little on the young side to pick up, the, for them to even be thinking about it or considering it. But I got really serious within a year of playing. I mean, I... I I was making demands by the time I was five about what kind of, you know, hi-hat I wanted for my drum kit or, and I, and I, and I was, I mean, these silly conversations that I, that I cringe at, but now are kind of sweet. I remember being at dinner with my parents and, and I, mind you, I was five and I was, I was very adamant about wanting 
an actual programmatic synthesizer. <laughs> and, and, and I idolized, actually, I idolized Thomas Dolby. And, um, and, and, I, and I was saying, you know, look, you know, um, I, I think this would be a really good idea for Christmas coming up. I think I really need, <laughs> of course, having no idea that these things are completely out of the price range. Oh, yeah. You know, and um, and and I and I and I made this tacit uh, pseudo threat, which was, well, if you don't get me uh, a Juno 106, uh, I'm just going to have to go out and buy one myself. <laughs> <laughs> which, of course, fantastic. Turned over and over, still to this day. Yeah. Um, but uh, so so anyway, it, there there was something about it that just drew me to it, and. Um, uh, to all music, but I think film music, since it was so dramatic and it was a way for me to listen to music and experience the film away from the film, I could put on headphones and kind of, I, I had a very keen sense memory of being able to watch something and listen to it and memorize it. And so I would memorize not only the music, but also what imagery went with it. And so I would put in Rocky or Star Wars or whatever soundtrack it was, and I would um, kind of relive the movie. And, and, and so a lot of my writing early on had a film score kind of thing there. Uh, and uh, it led me to do what I do, for sure. Did you, uh, I mean, as a younger person, when you're sort of making your ways and picking up instruments, did you have any kind of aspirations about being in a band at any point? Yes, um, certainly the band thing was something I did. Uh, I, I was also, uh, uh, really starting in my, my teenage years, I became uh, good enough at the drums to become a, a session drummer on records. Oh, okay. so, so I ended up really, I ended up in Los Angeles working on records and doing some concerts and, and doing cl kind of clinics for Pearl Drums and, and all that. I started probably when I was 14 or so. Um, so. And that was all in rock music. And so I was drumming up a storm everywhere. And then at the same time, it was right around there. Was about, I was about 15. Um, I was uh, very interested in pyrotechnic kind of, uh, yeah, romantic era classical piano. Right, I was right. very into Liszt and Rachmaninoff and Chopin and, and I'd written a concerto that I ended up touring for when I was 15 around Europe. So, so I had these two completely different things going. I was really into kind of, you know, progressive rock music, playing in a lot of bands, uh, playing on records, uh, and then classical uh, piano uh, writing, you know, that was kind of my early days of, of writing music. So yeah. these these two things also seem to merge in a way yeah. later on. Did you go to uh, a specific school for your musical education? I didn't. Um, I, there, I did receive training. Um, I... I was playing drums for years, actually. Um, I mean, I, gosh, I started when I was just a, a wee lad. I was probably four <laughs> or something right. like that. And But when by the time, I, it was funny, I, I the first training I, I went to go get, I was 12, and I remember uh, going to a, a local junior college because there was a free course on drumming, and, I, and it was a little strange. I was a lot shorter than the rest of the gang, but the... 
the um, the teacher there was a was a great session drummer, and this is what kind of landed me into the um, into the scene of, of getting a, a drumming endorsement and all that. He he saw potential in me, right. and um, and took to me, and I ended up um, kind of being. I think it was a little bit of the novelty of like a, uh, you know, I would rip around and do, you know, rush tunes and things like that as this little kid. And I think people got a kick out of it. So right. So drum company was nice enough to bring me on and I was able to like, would, I play things like the NAMM show and, and oh, okay. promote drums, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, and um, little speed demon is what it was. And, <laughs> uh, and, and, and so... So I, you know, they kind of I did a bit of training there. I did piano training, and and but really the rest of it was being an autodidact. I uh, when I went to UCLA and Harvard for college, I was studying philosophy and history. I I thought that I would never make a nickel at at um, at music. So even though I was I was doing it all all along, um, and I was playing music, and I was putting my way through college with music, um, uh, playing gigs and whatnot. I didn't really feel there was a realistic chance, so so I hedged my bet and studied something different. Of course, I studied something completely impractical <laughs> that had very little uh, chance of ever right. making it anything at either. I might as well have gone to mime school or something like that. <laughs> that would have been but, quite interesting. <laughs> yeah, I know. There, yeah. So that is a skill I do not have miming, but <laughs> it could have been. The career that Who could knows? Have been. Yes, exactly. Who knows what <laughs> what could have happened? Um, what kind of uh, you know music were you were you listening to at this time? Are you listening to kind of a bit of everything, or are you? I mean, you've mentioned Rush and you know kind of like the heavier stuff. Like uh, me personally, I, I lean more towards the rock kind of thing if I'm not listening to film music. Um, right. Yes. We, we do you listen to literally everything at this time? Oh or, yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I was even growing up, I had a. a, a a pretty eclectic background. I, I loved uh, rock, progressive rock. I loved hip hop. I loved new wave. I was really into Depeche Mode. I was into Joy Division. I was, uh, you know, Run DMC, Houdini, uh, Public Enemy, and then you know, Rage Against Machine, Nine Inch Nails, and and then you know, classic. I mean, everything from the Beatles on and on through David Bowie. And uh, I just, it was, it was something that. Um, it, it, I was all all over the map, and I collected film scores. So right, right, um, and, and it kind of makes sense, you know. I mean, I, I that's why I love thing, you know, either being involved with or playing or uh, or attending uh, music festivals because I, I mean, I was just I just did both weekends at Coachella here uh, because I just couldn't get enough of <laughs> being able to go around and see, you know, my my, you know. Uh, favorite electronic artists, and then going over and seeing a rock band and in, in a folk band, and uh, it, 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 you know, it, there's so many influences. I mean, if you listen to, you can hear the strains of everything from Maurice Jar and uh, to Radiohead. When you even you hear my scores, you sure, know, there's yeah. it's it's all in there. I, I I'm I'm a product of my influences, but I just. I absolutely love all the genres, and that's, and I and I love being able to work with the London Philharmonia. And then I turned around and I did a song with Wiz Khalifa, you know. Yeah. yeah. Um, so it it kind of um, I don't I do distinguish the vibes. I certainly know that there's genres, but I love blurring the lines. How did you actually get your first job composing music for film? Yeah. 
So it it was it was a weird um, and fortunate um, kind of dual situation. What I had done is I was it, it, just just like it is. I was I was doing a, a rock album at the time, mm-hmm. and I was working on a requiem at the time. And this was I mean I was this was in college, doing it in my spare time because you know. Harvard wasn't hard enough, right? No, I, it, it was it was incredibly difficult, and I was you know I, I was working my butt off, but I had to my the thing that I would do to kind of ease my um, uh, mind getting collapsed from studying was that I would I would write music, and 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 since it was my source of income, I was. I was working with a band and we were working on an album and I would fly back and forth to work on the album from Boston to um, actually to Nashville to Los Angeles. It was kind of a three city thing. <clears throat> and I wrote a song called uh, uh, The Sun Will Fall. And um, uh, it was like a kind of an alt rock song and mm-hmm. I, you know, I, I sing it and there's the guitars and all this stuff. And the... Uh, this demo kind of had leaked around. Sony Music had it, and there was a copy of it that the director got his hands on. Right. And he loved the tune, and he thought the lyrics perfectly fit the movie, and he wanted to be the main title song, the theme of his movie. And and I thought, wow, fantastic! But what do you have a composer? You know. <laughs> and they're like, what? You and, and it's, it's this. It's the, this is the classic problem. How do you compose a film if you haven't composed a film? There's no way right. to show. Here is like with a the song, they hear the song, they're like, "This is a cool song. We can use it." I don't care if you've toured with whoever, but a film score, boy, they're entrusting the heart of your their film to some kid that has no nothing to point to. Yeah, and and the, the serendipity of this was that I'd written a requiem, and I was in Boston, and I was lucky enough to work with the symphony out there. That um, that um, it, not on commission basis, but was nice enough to record it, and we performed this this requiem. It, was, it wasn't a full requiem; it was like a part of just a partial requiem. But but it was a powerful kind of piece. It it starts with some some melodic strings, and then it builds, and there's a choir and the whole thing. But but I happen to have this recording, and so I said to the director, "Well, here, check this out. What do you think of this?" And, and there's a scene that, like, it actually fit perfectly to. Right. And um, and this requiem also, I I was lucky enough to have it somehow filter over, and John Williams heard it. Wow. Who sent me to Michael Gorfain, which is his agent in Los Angeles, and who is uh, one of my agents to this day. Uh, so long story short, they kind of made a connection and a movie all at the same time, right. just by having written these two pieces of music that had nothing to do with each other. And and uh, Michael Gorfain and Sam Schwartz and Cheryl Tiano over there at the Gorfain Schwartz Agency were enthusiastic that I had this wide range, and I'd also worked on, you know, industrial rock stuff, underground electronic music, and you name it, that was also on my song reel because I'd worked with so many different bands and acts that 
they thought, okay, if you can do a requiem and you can do this stuff, maybe we should give the kid a shot. You know, <laughs> it, it didn't sound like the, you know, it wasn't as 1950s as let's give a kid a break. You know, it didn't sound like that, but right. it, it, the, you know, it definitely. Uh, I see you in the movies, uh, kind of. No, no, so, I, I, um, yeah, it's, I mean, it's it's a fantastic, fantastic, you know, way of getting into the, the yeah, into the world. It, you know, yeah, it really was, and and then. The great thing was is that the very first thing that happened after that was that uh, someone else reached out to me and wanted me to score a little film called Six String Samurai, which um, led to Bubba Hotep and all these independent films that I really loved doing, Panic, and and then led to uh, Paramount, uh, did something called Sirens, which was small, but that led to doing Star Trek, which led to... Frailty, which led to William Friedkin, the great director, hearing it and wanted me to do The Hunted, yeah. which eventually led me to Timeline and doing that after Jerry Goldsmith had um, bowed out of doing that score. And it just all of a sudden, it, it went from doing a, a very, very tiny film to, you know, doing a, a Michael Crichton adaptation of a yeah. film, you know, in yeah. no time. So that's that. That's it. Yeah, I mean, it's one of those things. I mean, your your success as a composer. Uh, I mean, you have composed three of the top ten grossing films of all the scores for three of the top ten grossing films of all time. Yeah. I mean, that's kind of insane. <laughs> like, it's when, pretty weird. You know, yes. it's, you know, <laughs> I've, I've since I've been doing this, I've interviewed a, a lot of people, a lot of composers that I've been listening to their music since I was a child, and sure. you kind of you get to that point where you're like. <laughs> you know they're just you know they're just regular dudes they just like music or you know that they you know right. they're, they're fans as well but when i read yep. that when i read that statement i was like oh yeah oh, kind of i have to be on my best behavior no i and, mean that's know. just it it's so bizarre <laughs> it, it, it somehow um i found myself in this this really amazing company hmm. where um you know it, it there you you don't even think about it kind of being a part of the history books sure. in a way when you're this early in on a career. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, I, and I still feel it is so early. Um, I mean, I'm just, I'm just doing my thing here, but yeah, I've, I've, you know, I worked really hard to do my best on films regardless of, you know, the box office potential. And I, uh, it was something like my mantra was always like, treat every movie as if it is Citizen Kane. Um, and and really, there were some really unsuccessful films that I had done where I'd written these themes that, that for instance, Kevin Feige, the head of Marvel, heard and just thought, oh, my gosh. Right. You know, we need, we need this guy to score our films. And so, so I think, you know, it really was, it, was a, it was a cool thing to know that there are people out there that pay attention to... Um, scores and listen to the music outside and can separate themselves and don't do the what most people really will do is just like oh good score because of good movie sure, whereas yeah. you know there were some unsuccessful films that I did like um, Dragon Ball Evolution that had a theme that resonated with some people that actually were, were listening, which was which was really nice to see, you know? Yeah, yeah absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> so it led me to these films that ended up doing whatever it is, $10 billion or at the box office, some crazy. 
Which, if you're like you know, that. You know, it, it's not bad. When when you break it down, it's not <laughs> it's not a bad thing. So uh, when when you uh, yeah. <laughs> when you when like, do you personally? I mean, I assume you're a film fan. I mean, that's probably one of the reasons yes. why you got into this. When you are, you know, you can probably. I'd assume that you could probably choose which films you wish to do. Do you have any particular preference over genre? Uh, you know, do you do you want to jump in yeah. horror movies or, you know, do you like doing the big action films? I do. I love doing all of them. I mean, I've had these kind of different little pockets of eras of, of scores where you can see I did these um, kind of small dramas with uh, like Henry Bermelder directing them, for instance, like Panic and, mm. and Last Call and their historical dramas and things like that. And then I would do, I kind of, started doing these like these horror films like frailty and darkness falls and those kind of things and then you know and i originally started doing these like really odd guitar quirky indie comedy things and, <laughs> and so there's all these different like eras and but you know i i think just keeping it diverse now i i really i am a true lover of all kinds of films i i in, in the last year or so um being able to do, you know, uh, uh, the, the Fast and Furious, the seventh one, which was mm -hmm. really amazing to work on, and Avengers, and um, and then Truth, the the, the story about uh, you know the about journalism, true story yeah. about Dan Rather and Mary Mapes, and then Criminal, this you know completely different analog synth score that's kind of a genre film. Um, and then, you know, I loved diving into um, the archives and I rewatch classic films all the time. And, and, and I'm especially, a, you know, a fan of um, Hitchcock. And um, so I kind of have those on repeat. And, and I love science fiction and I'm a big trekker. And, I'm a, you know, <laughs> and I grew up with, you know, with Marvel comics, like actually collecting them. So that, it, to me, is something that, that actually plays on the... Uh, my roots yeah, yeah. so we're, we're actually here today to talk about the the score for criminal uh that's just recently come out through lakeshore records now what can you actually tell us about the criminal score well the criminal score um is uh really something that um was very deliberately had artistic um a kind of an artistic um, angle to it in the sense that we wanted to have a specific palette. Um, sometimes when you start doing a movie, you don't think of it ahead of time as, as necessarily art, but it's, it's more something that's just servicing a purpose. And, and then we thought, yeah. we, we thought, well, you know, with this, in, and the director is very, very musical. He has musical background, which was great. Um, and so I was able to talk to him about it. It's like, okay, let's, let's approach this very early on in the score, in the, in the process of making the movie, as an album, as like an LP being made, um, uh, you know, now, but, but with a heavily, heavy influence from um, late 70s, early 80s electronic mm -hmm. music. No, absolutely. It's one of the things that I uh, I noticed about the Criminal Score is, you know, it, it's it's an electronic score, 
but it's a score that pulses. You know, it, it has right. those lighter moments, like the track uh, "Distant Memories." Um, yes, but you know, th- there is like there is some of that stuff on there that you could straight up play in a dance club, and and, and it wouldn't, you know, people wouldn't bat an eyelid. It would just right. be, yes. oh, right, okay. But it's it's a very diverse score because it does ebb and flow. Um, yeah, which, you're you know, right. It's it's is that something you purposely were aiming for, uh, given the material that's included in the film? Yeah, you know, I mean, the the idea for Criminal was definitely to do something that was a bit different than what I normally do for a score, which is I I, I often do the the large orchestral score where I conduct you know the orchestra and a choir and things like that, and and for this I wanted to keep it primarily electronic and definitely analog electronic outboard since really I didn't want to use anything past about 1983 I felt okay. that I kind of had an arbitrary cutoff line but I think right after like the Jupiter 8 and the Juno 106 was made uh, somewhere around the 83-84 early 84 uh, that that would be the edge of, of the synth so Yamaha CS80 the ARP 2600, the Prophet 5, the Moogs, and, and and the Rollins that I mentioned were kind of the main the main drive. And I think a lot of that is because I do really love so many of those um, uh, John Carpenter and um, Vangelis and Tangerine Dream, and and, and then and then the way I use guitars was much more along the lines of Brian Eno and Daniel Lanois and, and that type of thing.
drew from a certain amount of um, kind of the, the, the point of it really was is let's let's create something with these analog synthesizers that are actually kind of cantankerous. Uh, they, <laughs> they, you know, there, there's there's something the difference between synth modeling inside the computer and these these analog outboard synthesizers is that the ones inside the computer are perfect. They, they're in tune. Mm -hmm. They don't drift in tuning. They're sure, perfectly yeah. in time. The arpeggiators don't drift in time. And, and they, they also clean up and polish the sound so they don't have hiss and they don't have the little buzzy noise that happens when you plug in a cable into sure, something. Yeah. All that stuff. So, so we grappled with this and it was like, let's leave those things in because once you polish them out, I, I think the chorusing effect that happens when you have things kind of moving in and slightly in and out of tune, I think those things are the things that make it more human. So that was just from a technical standpoint, what, what is our toolkit? You know, what is our, yeah, what are yeah. we painting? Paint? And then, and then went from there and it started expanding and kind of brought in some really, you know, uh, reverby guitars and different things. Then it was really a, how do you write music that evokes um, and says everything about memory because the whole movie is about how we are our memories and yeah, how this yeah. character um, experiences memories for the first time. Uh, or not memories, but experiences emotion for the first time by, by having someone else's memories. It, it really became... Uh, how do you do this with music? And it was interesting to take one person's theme and then kind of, uh, it was very, you know, defined it was one character when he's alive, this character dies, his memories live on in someone else. But it's like, you have to then stretch out the, that theme and make it reverberated and not quite tangible and, and, and so as the memories that are established and the themes that are established early on in the movie, they actually kind of get blurred for a while and then kind of come into focus more as the movie goes. Uh, so that was the idea. Oh, that's very cool. When were you actually brought on to the, uh, to the project? Was it, was it at Inception or had the film kind of already was in the process of being made? Uh, the, the movie was being made, but it was, it was early on in the editorial phase mm. oh okay okay how did you uh get along working with director ariel verman oh he's great um we uh we we you know we met we became fast friends and we're quite social together and we just uh, we have a lot of fun together but he it's really cool i mean he's dj'd he had he's programmed keyboards and he you know he's a he's a pretty solid drummer you oh, know right. and we we get along great and and we 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 held together at first this idea of doing a analog synth score where i think they were looking at me maybe the studio was looking at me like wow we can brian's interested in doing this this is going to be cool we can make it gigantic like you know thor or something <laughs> and i didn't that wasn't the idea no, you know no. so i it it took ariel to certainly get in there and say hey no I, i'm i'm supporting this vision let's do something different it'll fit the film better we don't need to try to make it into something that it's not hmm. did he have much input on uh your composition of the score um yeah you know he did he he was certainly 
Uh, I mean, it wasn't necessarily in the composition, um, but it was in steering what he really wanted um, uh, scene by scene. What, what was going to enhance the film um, the most, you know? Is it going to be pushing the envelope a little bit here? Mm-hmm. Or, or laying back a little bit? And so these were things that certainly we would have uh, discussions about. And it was cool that he'd also be able to say, hey, you know, um, what if you put a little bit more of a saw wave on that synth? I mean, you know, that right. it was a, okay. a pretty unique experience from that regard, yeah. perspective. He was able to speak to you as a musician, as well as a director. Yes. Ah, I got you. No, I mean, mm-hmm. that's, that's uh, you know, that must be uh, quite helpful when, yeah, you, when you're trying to get a point across. Yeah, it's and it's really cool. Yeah. Excellent. Um, tell me a little bit about the song Drift and Fall Again, which you uh, recorded with Lola Marsh uh, under the Mad Sonic, uh, under your Mad Sonic moniker, which is which is the name you use when you're, when you're doing music uh, outside yeah. of composition. So tell me about the, the song uh, and why that was included in the film. Yeah, you know, this is it was it it's kind of the 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 big moment of the film at the the, the very last scene and um when everything comes together is the main title as well the song of the movie and so we needed something at for, and this the knee jerk was always, you know, with these scenes which is understandable was well let's just get a big pop tune. Right, right. And um and that was done. I mean there was one in there. Um, oh, okay. And and I and I was like, oh, that's neat, you know. But it doesn't really have anything to do with our score and the music of the film. But <laughs> right. it's a great song and all. Yeah, yeah. But but I started just on my own writing a song out of the blue. And um, and I wrote an instrumental song, except for some vocal. There's a little vocal kind of stab thing that happens which is me singing which is still in the song right okay um it's a non-word kind of vocal thing but the whole song basically as you hear it was done i just played all the instruments and and um and did that and and uh and i i put it over the scene with no lyrics and ariel just i thought it was awesome and it was going to be a song that i was going like if it didn't work out for the film well i really like this song i think it's a song that i want to do is mad sonic so but but i was really influenced by the movie so i was hoping that it would be in the movie he loved it and so we we said you know i said i think it would really benefit from having some cool vocals and i was listening to lola marsh at the time and i thought you know someone like yell from Lola Marsh would be great. Yeah. And so it's like, okay. So I, I like went through and I got all these demos from singers. Um, and I said, like, wow, that's really cool. Yeah, these are great, but couldn't it be a little bit more like Lola Marsh? <laughs> and I just thought, why don't I just use Lola Marsh? And what yeah. am I doing? Why don't I call and see if she's available? So I called and sure enough, loved the, the song sent over the melody we worked on the lyrics and it was keith power me and and um yell working on all like kind of that aspect of it recorded her put it in and then uh, i i just i fell in love with it and and it turned out that it just really fit the end of the movie and 
and the lyrics really reflect the movie too. It's um, you know about about you, you, not only your your memories but your life, kind of um, how it kind of uh, you you were on one path and it drifts and falls, but 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 you know it it it's it's who we are, and so. Um, and then we, you know, and then, um, I shot a video for it and, um, and it's, you know, now Kill the Noise, um, has made a remix of it, which is blowing up. And now it's, you know, being played at, um, these like big music festivals and it's just crazy. Like what, yeah, so very exciting. About it's, it. it's one of those cool things because I mean, movie scores these days or, or movie soundtracks, you don't really get that song anymore. You know, when I was a kid, right. you would get the single from the film. Uh, you know, regardless yeah. of what it was, whether it was an old tune that had just been re-released, like uh, Unchained Melody with Ghost, or, you know, it was a completely new song. And, and it's as soon as I heard the score, I was like, it's got a song. It actually yeah. has, like, it's it's the single for the song. So now I'm a... Yeah, yeah. Big... Written by the guy that did the score, which is, you know, that... Yeah.
talked about criminal we've talked about your past we've talked about virtually everything but one thing i really want to know yeah if you could score dream score past or present film what would it be and why oh so um if i could uh, pick a film to score there is one that stands out to me and i don't know if it would be a good idea to score it or not (laughs) because it already works right but i would be fascinated to see about tackling uh, scoring the birds since there is no score. Wow. Um, and I love Bernard Herrmann. And so if there was a way to do it, I th- that would be, a, that would be I think, a, a definite hoot. No, oh, that's fantastic. <laughs> and completely threw me through a loop as well. I never would have thought of that. That's really, really cool. So, Brian, uh, I mean, it, it sounds like you have a lot going on, but what's coming up next for you? Well, um, the Now You See Me 2 is going to be coming out right. uh, this summer, which um, was great fun to score. And um, it's like, uh, you know, uh, magic meets heist music is so uh, it's, it's it's really um it's really something um and uh and then i'm going to be doing um um i have uh, well gosh i'm i'm wondering I, I i never know whether or not i can say movies <laughs> where they're still working on all the particulars sure, there are sure. a few movies that i'm actually already yeah so i'm i'm working on right now but i'm not sure if i'm allowed to say anything about that's, them that's that's okay we'll, we'll say that yeah, I, I know what you mean, but we'll save that for another conversation further, yeah. on, further on down but the line. There's, yeah, there's a bunch of stuff coming. <laughs> Excellent stuff. And I hope at some point you're going to take a break. Uh, you know, yes. may, maybe have a vacation if you can fit it in there. Yeah, it'd be nice. We'll see. <laughs> Brilliant stuff. Probably not. Well, Brian, <laughs> thank you so much for joining me today. Great. All right. Thank you. Just great talking to you. Big thanks to Brian Tyler there for joining me on the Lakeshore Records podcast. The Criminal soundtrack is available now digitally with a CD coming on May 20th.